I'm Dr. Wendy Bruton, and I used to be a therapist. Welcome to my podcast. Each week, I'll be sharing life stories, interviews, and information that I know will be of value to you and to your life and to the lives that you touch. If you need a therapist or just someone who used to be a therapist, I hope that this is a place where you feel valued, valuable, and learn to move forward from what you used to be. I'm so glad you're here. Today, we get to listen in on a conversation I had with two of my favorite people in the whole world. Keith and Michelle Ritter are going to join me today, and we're talking about transition, change, and moving forward. Keith Ritter grew up in Pennsylvania before attending college in Boston, and then he attended seminary in Kansas City. He was a pastor for 21 years before becoming a Navy chaplain in 2017. Michelle grew up in Oregon, went to college in Nampa, Idaho, and worked for 20 years at Northwest Permanente. She recruited physicians, and then she worked in human resources. Keith and Michelle have been married for 12 years and have four kids. Right now, they're stationed at the Naval Air Station in Lemoore, California. Keith is a chaplain on base, and Michelle is spending more time at home as well as working part-time helping military members transition out of the military and into civilian life. Keith and Michelle are very significant people in my life. Keith was the pastor of our church for a long time and has really been a strong spiritual mentor for me. And Michelle has become one of my people, my inner circle people. She and her girls got to live with us for four months when Keith went into the Navy and had to go into training. As I look back, it occurs to me that Michelle and I were going through really one of the biggest transitional times in our lives at the same time. And I feel so blessed that she was here with me. The only word that I could come up with when I think about it is grace. She was God's grace to me during that time. So just heads up. We had some audio challenges this time because we recorded on a different platform than we had before. So my voice sounds a little funny, I think, but you won't even notice it because the content is so great. And Keith and Michelle have such wisdom. I hope it adds value to your day. Let's listen in. Welcome, my friends. Thank you. It's good Thank to be you. Here. I'm so glad to see you really. It's fun to see. I get to see your faces. Yes. That is really fun. You, the people on the podcast don't get to see your faces, but I get to right now. That's good because I have a shirt with sweatpants on and, you know, yeah. we're, we're went with the comfortable. Good. Well, that's what's great about podcasts, right? right. Is Absolutely. <laughs> that you can just be pretty much in jammies or whatever you want to be in. Um, first of all, why don't you introduce yourselves a little bit? And tell us what you do like every day. And Well, my name is Keith Ritter and I am a Navy chaplain. And so every day I get up, I put a uniform on and I go to help go to the chapel and try and help take care of our sailors, mostly sailors, some Marines on base here at NAS Lemoore in California. And so it's a lot of, uh, you know, there's some administrative stuff. There's the running of a chapel, which is almost a lot of the same functions as, as I did as a pastor, but, uh, but a lot more counseling 
a lot of meeting with all sorts of interesting young men and women in all circumstances of life. Uh, just when you think you've heard it all, you know, then comes the next day. Mm -hmm. You're doing a lot more counseling now. Way more, way more. 10 times the amount as I, as I ever did as a pastor. And that's kind of what's, what's interesting are the people that come to a chaplain uh, would probably, most of them would never go see a pastor. But for whatever reason, you put that chaplain hat on and it's just different. They see you as someone that is for everyone, no matter what walks of faith. And so they don't, you know, they might not come in, you know, they might come in and not believe in God or be angry at God, but they're just coming because they need somebody to talk to. Sure. And that might be um, safer than a counselor. Yeah, there's, you know, in the Navy, there's all sorts of different kinds of resources. There's mental health over at the, at the clinic, you know, the medical clinic. Then there are therapists that are on base. And then there's all the chaplains as well. And let me tell you, uh, it is a steady stream to all three of those wells for people to try and find something to, to help. Yeah. Good. And let's go on. Let's get Michelle in here too. So I'm Michelle Ritter and my days look like uh, helping service members that are preparing to transition out of the military and enter back into the civilian world. And so um, I help facilitate uh, the transition assistance program here on base. And it just helps prepare servicemen and women to reenter the civilian workforce. Wow. And then you also get to take care of your and be with your two cutie pies. Yeah. Are you talking about our dogs? Yes. No. Oh. <laughs> the other cutie pies. Oh, yeah, the other two, right? Yeah. So um, my commute is about three minutes from our house. So I'm home every afternoon, um, not long after they get home from school. And um, so get to spend a lot of quality time with the girls. So it's great. Good. And how are they doing? They're doing really well. They're doing really well. Good. I saw something on Facebook the other day about the little Valentine's Day. Was it like a dance or something? Was it? Yeah. So their school on base for uh, starting in fourth grade, they Holy have cow. little dances for the kids. And so um, this was a Valentine's dance and Emma uh, had her friends over and they Aww. had a lot of fun getting ready for the dance and then off they went. Got all prettied. Yeah. It was so cute. Yeah. Couldn't believe it. She's just growing up so much. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. Oh, so, so fun. Well, I kind of want to get into your story of just transitioning from where you were before to where you are now. So tell us um, a little bit of your story of transition. So Keith, you used to be a pastor right. and now you are... In the military. Maybe, right. And just like yeah. what you were saying, yeah. So tell us a little bit about that transition. Yeah. So, so it was 21 years of uh, a full-time pastoral ministry, serving a number of different churches. And uh, the last one with, with you, where I had the honor of being the, the pastor for the Bruton family. And Not just uh, us, although we could use our own. Right. <laughs> right. Then... Uh, then, yeah, it was just a huge transition for for our family as we just felt led, really kind of out of the out of the blue, and maybe 
you know, we can talk a little bit more about that a little bit later, but uh, just kind of, you know, an opportunity came our way that we had not been considering before to, to join the, the Navy. And, uh, and so it led to just a huge transition in our lives from the pastoral ministry into the Navy chaplaincy, where first of all, you have to go to training for officer development school because you're not just, you know, like a, a religious leader, you're also an officer in the United States Navy. And so first I went to officer development school and then after that to chaplain school. Um, and yeah, and so that was back in 2017 that this journey began after a couple of decades as, as a pastor. Wow. And Michelle, you used to be a big career woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I transitioned um, after working for a company for 20 years. And um, once we relocated to Lemoore, um, I did not work for about a year and a half and stayed home with the girls and had the privilege and the opportunity to do that. I had not previously had that option. And so, um, you know, did laundry and kept house and raised the girls and tried to familiarize myself with this new life um, that we'd started. That's pretty exciting that you got to do that. Mm -hmm. And now you've changed from being at home all the time to going back to work a little bit. So are you working right. full-time now? I am working full-time. Um, so from January to May, I worked for this organization covering um, maternity leave mm -hmm. and then had the summer off. And then um, a full-time position became available that I started in September. And so have been working full-time since September. That's, that's another transition, like going back I know. to that. <laughs> Like I haven't had enough. I just keep right. mixing it up. Just why not? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So tell us, go back to in 2017 when you guys made that decision to change. What do you think was the catalyst for that change? That's, that's a good question. I mean, on the, on the surface, I, I think that there, you know, it was as simple as a friend of mine reaching out to me that was a Navy chaplain and um, you know, we just began to think about that. Um, I, I think in the back of my mind, there was a regret that I had not served uh, in the military. It's interesting. My, my dad um, said a little bit later on in, in his life that, that that was something, a regret that he had. And that kind of resonated in me that there, that for whatever reason, within me was kind of a, uh, uh, you know, I, I guess a, a hope that had long since just gone away because life, you know, the seasons kind of come and go and, sure. uh, and that had passed. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the, the biggest catalyst was somebody reaching out, which we believe was God's leading and directing. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think that, you know, that seed landed on this kind of soil uh, that was our heart where there were some regrets, there was, uh, uh, but, but more than anything else, it was just, I think, the Lord that had prepared that soil mm -hmm. over years. So that not just was, was I open to something that I would have never been open to before, but Michelle was as well. 
do you think that there was another catalyst or a different catalyst for that change, Michelle, or, or was that pretty much what you would say too? Yeah, I mean, I've had zero regret about not joining the military. <laughs> Forgive me. Um, but as I think about, you know, the catalysts for major changes in our lives, they begin and end with the Lord. Um, I think about Keith and I meeting our marriage. I think about Oasis and, and the launch and planting of a church and and now this Navy chaplaincy that along the way, the Lord um, just prepares the heart for the call. And, and, and we have to be prepared to follow that. There, there's no other reason I would be here today. Uh, no regret about the military. Um, you know, I would, be, I would not be here today if I didn't feel that it was the Lord leading us and calling us mm-hmm. to this life. And, and you were just open to that. It was a huge change and a huge risk. Yeah. I mean, quite seriously. Yeah. I mean, open-ish, I guess. You know, the <laughs> fact that it wasn't an absolutely not, uh, you know, led us to begin to talk about it and pray about it. And it was um, a considerable amount of time doing those things. Sure. To affirm that that was, in fact, the Lord calling us. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I agree with that sentiment that I've, I've heard others say that I think much of, of life, you look back and you see was a surprise. You know, I, I think, you know, Wendy, the fact that you're sitting here doing a, a podcast with, with us right now as a former therapist is, comes as a surprise to mm-hmm. you. The fact that we're sitting here at a naval air station in California, you know, kind of comes as a surprise. None of this was a part of the plan. Mm-mm. And and I think that's true for probably almost maybe most or if not all of your listeners, where we look back on the course of our lives and who here can say, you know, it, it all went really according to plan. Well, I think for, for me, the, you know, the, the plan was ministry. And here I am these, you know, many years later still doing ministry, but the way that that looks or the shape or form or where you find yourself, it's just one big surprise. And to me, that just helps wash away any illusion that we are the masters of our fate and, and that there is a good and sovereign God that is leading our steps if we're willing to follow. And that's just going to be a path full of, of surprises along the way. Yeah. If you would look back, 10 years, nobody would guess, right, that, that most people would be where they're at, actually. Most people would not guess, or just like you were saying, the people right. who are listening, most people wouldn't say, oh, I'd be here. But talking about risk and change, do you like risk and change? <laughs> Keith Ritter? You want me to go first? Yeah, I think that's a good question. <clears throat> because when I hear that, I think, what I like is faith and what in uh, risk and change are components to anyone on a faith journey. And, uh, and so anybody that, that sets out to, uh, to seek to, to follow God, to seek to impact their world, to seek to make a difference in this world, right? In other words, there's a, a forward momentum in which you're trying to advance good things. <laughs> that, uh, that faith that that can be done uh, is where the risk is. 
and where the, the change is. And, uh, and I love that. It, it seems like, you know, just nothing good seems to come out of just staying where you are, staying put. As far as, I'm not saying like don't bloom where you're planted kind of a thing, but I'm, I'm saying the, the, the comfort zone, uh, the safe place where we don't risk, we don't, uh, I've just not, in my own experience, I've just not seen the world become a better place, you know, because someone stayed where, where it was safe. Sure. I have a friend who, she always says, when you have to choose between one thing or another, you should always choose the thing that takes more faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't I mean, know which yeah. one do you choose, choose the thing that takes more faith. And we see that throughout the scriptures. And my observation has been that for too many people, I think faith is just something they rely on to get them through hard times. But in the scripture, faith gets you into hard times. It gets you into all sorts of trouble, right? Because you are out there seeking to be his hands and feet in a world that needs, you know, his, his grace. And that just, you know, that just gets people throughout scripture and today in all sorts of trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, Noah so had to true. go build an ark and, you know, all sorts of. That's so true. So I, I, I would just say even people that aren't, wouldn't identify as people of faith, right? Yeah. That some people um, are more prone to risk than other people are. They're more prone. They're more apt to take chances. They're more apt to try things that are new right. and exciting. Right. Um, do you think that's more like even just personality wise? That's. I'd like to hear what Michelle says about this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think there's a personality element to it. Um, I'm not hardwired to embrace risk and change. Um, I am hardwired for stability and, and, and all that that affords. Um, so, but because I have faith, not that people that don't have faith can operate in the same way. Um, but I have to be intentional about not going with my immediate response. I have to take a step back from whatever emotional response would be coming forth in the face of risk and change and uh, make a conscious decision, uh, you know, to enter into that. So it's more of a internal process, I think, than someone that just seeks adventure, you know, that maybe their personality wires them for, um, for that type of, of life. Maybe like your husband. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe like him. People do think differently about these things, it seems, in that when it came to planning a church, right, I I thought, well, that's, you know, that's risk. You know, I had Mm -hmm. people say to me, what are you doing leaving a large church where you're on staff, where everything is, you know, a guaranteed paycheck, and you're venturing out with like nothing, no money and people. And, uh, but to me, the, it's what, what regret would I rather live with? the regret of not trying Mm -hmm. Uh, and, you know, or, or, or the regret of possibly failing. And I just decided I can live, I can live with trying and failing more than I could live with the what if. Sure. 
it's true. If, if you just don't risk, then you'll never grow. Mm-hmm. But it, I think some people are more prone to risk, risking than others. And I think actually it's really, really healthy to have two people like that in, a, I mean, the people on opposite ends in a marriage, because, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> if both of you are risking, they'll be like, yeah, let's do everything. And there'd be nobody who's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And yeah, I have that in my marriage too, because I would risk and change all the time. But Scott's like, hmm, let's think about that. (laughs) (laughs) It's not true. So you're more prone to risking, not just even in business, right, Keith? I mean, just even you're doing risky, fun things like a motorcycle. Right. Yeah. I just, and part of that is, I think earlier on in my life, you know, it just became clear to me that fear was playing too big of a role in my life. Mm. And, and so it, it started with an awareness th- of the power of, of fear. And then it became a choice. As I've said, you know, a thousand times that fear, you, you're not the boss of me. In other words, I recognize you're there. I recognize that you want to take control. I'm just rejecting you. And, and, and so there are times at which, yeah, maybe the bravery towards whatever risk or change is just a natural, but many of the times it's not. And, and so I am making a conscious decision, right? To, to me, it's uh, to choose faith uh, in, in matters of the pursuit of God and, and what God, uh, or just silly little things. Uh, like, for example, this, this summer, uh, you know, there's another chaplain friend of mine, and we want to go uh, climb Half Dome. And if you've, and you know, I've, <laughs> and and so if you've seen that, like on YouTube, uh, I mean, there are cables that will help pull you up, but it's just a sheer drop off. And uh, uh, and but I just. Uh, I look at the risk and I think, well, yeah, one lady fell to her death last year, you know, but think of the thousands that scaled it and, and did it. You know, in other words, it's a, I was willing to run the risk. Uh, but that's, you know, that's not like some mission. That's just a decision. I want to do that. Yeah. It's really, really scary. But fear, you're not going to be the boss of me. Yeah. Michelle, are you going to climb half down? Um, no, I watched the YouTube video. Okay. I, but, but I, I approached it with a balanced uh, <laughs> view <laughs> in that it's like a 16 mile round trip hike. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm not, I'm not prepared for that currently. Not right now. So it's like you have to do the super hard hike to get there and then you have to climb up that sheer face with the cables to help get yourself up and I don't think I'd make it sure, but is that something you want to do uh she did until she saw the video right <laughs> yeah I mean but the conditioning that it would take to get there in the amount of time that uh, they want to do this I've decided to not do that <laughs> <laughs> that's that's probably good that there's there's one person down on the ground. That's right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> that's true. So okay, so you both have different wirings. Wiring toward right. risk and change. But so when you went through this whole change 
and transition that you went through and kind of all the things. How, how was that as a couple for, for your relationship? Were there challenges? Um, did it strengthen you? The, uh, we, from the very beginning of this, uh, knew that we were going to be going shoulder to shoulder moving forward, not one of us dragging the other one. Right. And, and so we were either both all in on this or, or we, we just were going to make this change. Yeah. And, uh, and so it was a lot of mutual conversation, mutual prayer, mutual, are we in this together? And, you know, and as we're living out this, uh, these years of, of service, you know, how long we stay in is completely up to us. And, and we are in this as long as we both want to, to be in this. And as soon as one uh, decides, you know what, that was a great run, and, uh, uh, and, and then it's time to do something else, um, you know, that's when we'll make another change. So when you went through this transition, there had to have been challenges, I'm just saying. Well, certainly there were challenges, uh, because for a long time we didn't know what the outcome would be. There were a number of barriers or potential barriers um, to us not going down this road. Um, so, you know, certainly that was a challenge. The bringing family into the loop um, was a challenge and hard. And then bringing the church into the loop and our, my, you know, place of employment and our friends and, um, you know, those were hard times, challenging times. Um, but in terms of uh, did it challenge our marriage or, uh, I would say no. Um, it, it brought us, I would say, you know, even closer together mm -hmm. because there was freedom to, you know, speak any emotion or, um, you know, question or, uh, we just spent countless hours talking and praying and, um, processing through. Um, but I would say the most challenging were, um, you know, how it impacted, you know, those around us and yeah, you know, others. those conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I just think the transitions uh, in general are, take up the, uh, the, the stress level significantly. When you go from one reality to another reality, mm -hmm. uh, that land that space in between is incredibly stressful. Mm -hmm. And uh, thus you, you really need to be on the same page with your spouse or with others that are you know, making that decision right along with you. And you just, you know, I, I just see that over and over again, whether it be where I think there, uh, there, there needs to be a stronger level of leadership required in a family you know, for maybe business people, if you decide, okay, this is where we're at, but this is where we need to be, the transition from here to there is going to be a more intensive form of leadership uh, than, than what you had before. And I don't know, you know, throughout scriptures, we, we see that, right, where you've got the nation of Israel in, in Egypt, and it was where they did not want to be. 
anymore. And, you know, and then there's the promised land, which is where they wanted to be. And that transition from Egypt to the promised land took longer than they ever wanted it to, to, to take. And it was much more stressful. And there were times when they wanted to go back to Egypt, you know, and uh, that's just the reality of transitions. And I see it over and over because we're getting ready in another 10 months to transition now to San Diego, right? For our next duty station, we're all be on a, this little guided cruiser. And, and so that move is already, it's more stressful. Well, where are we going to go? Where are we going to live? Where are the kids going to go to school? Where that, right? And it will require something from us that just setting in this reality right now, does not require. Yeah. It'll be a stronger level of, of leadership, of intentionality, of, of prayer along the way. And, but with that is the faith uh, that we aren't in this by ourselves. That brings so much security. Yeah. I think it brings security. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I look back at my own pastoral leadership, uh, that's where I see that I failed uh, on, on, in a couple moments where later on in my pastoral ministry, I learned from those mistakes I was too passive in transition times, uh, and whereas I should have ramped up my my own leadership and uh, in order to help others navigate those transitions. Um, and so that is not the time for passivity. That's the time for everybody to engage on a higher level and to bump up just being yeah engaged to being connected and to to move forward rather than back yeah right? and so and that includes helping your kids transition from one reality to to another how was that for them um i think it was hard and glorious at the same time you know because there were a lot of goodbyes and goodbyes are still hard and still happening um in this environment friends are always moving in and they're always moving out Um, and parents come to visit and friends come to visit. And so there are a lot of hellos and a lot of goodbyes. And and those are, those are hard. Um, One of the reasons or one of the supposed obstacles that we had anticipated were our kids and moving them from, you know, the school that they knew from their family and friends and moving them into a completely foreign environment. And even there, the Lord provided answers to prayer in how, you know, Brooklyn cried in West Salem when we painted our kitchen because it was different and she wanted it always to be the same. Um, And then some friends of ours moved and we asked her as we were thinking through this process, what do you think about moving? And, um, you know, she said she could move as long as she had her stuffed animals with her, you know? So even in those little things, um, though it was still hard, um, the Lord was there. And we just, we just told the girls that they're going to feel all sorts of emotions. They're going to be happy and sad and they're not going to, they're going to question why, and they're going to be upset. And, um, but that whatever they were feeling that they needed to talk to mommy and daddy about it. And those feelings were normal and it's normal to be sad and scared and all of these things, but together we will navigate those feelings as they come. And, and, and grieving the loss, right? Cause moving from one 
reality to another, usually there's some sort of loss and, and we still feel that loss, you know, these three years, two and a half years later now. And, uh, and there's still a, a sadness uh, at, at times. Um, and so definitely part of that is, is just allowing yourself to grieve as Michelle was saying, both you as well as the, the family. Mm-hmm. Um, you were talking about a little bit about that there's hard parts of transition. So what do you think was the hardest part of transition? You know, I, there are several things. Um, do I have to just give one? No, the, you can give a couple. You know, there's, <laughs> there was definitely, it was people, the, the uh, leaving friends and family behind to answer this call uh, was definitely the hardest. And that, that remains. And so people come and visit and it just reminds us of the, of, of the loss. So the, the transition, uh, you know, the, the choice that we made affected a lot of people and, um, and a lot of people grieved over that. And, and so the, the loss of, of that was definitely, um, I think one of the, the hardest parts as, as well as, I think, on a personal level for, for me, uh, to go from being in charge to not being in charge. <laughs> you know, that has been a transition as, as well. But that's good. And that comes with joining an institution sure. as opposed to just the, the local church, right? And, uh, and so that's that's a good exercise as well, a part of, a part of this journey. And, um, and it's true for everyone that, that joins the, the military. So, mm-hmm. um, so there's definitely been challenges to the transition, but definitely, definitely worth it. So Michelle, what about you? What do you think was the hardest part? Certainly the loss of, you know, community, fellowship, church, work, all of that. I was thinking through that question and I think it, you know, in the, in the loss of identity, you know, what does that, what does that look like? Um, I think for me, the hardest part more than, than a loss of, you know, identity, whereas I had categories that I fit nicely into whether at work or church or whatever, uh, was the loss of being known mm-hmm. and the loss of knowing right? Everything is new. Everyone is new. And you're new to everyone and everything. And so that sort of deconstruction, I think was was the hardest part. And you think about the Israelites leaving Egypt and, and heading towards the promised land. And I can sort of relate to why they would look back, you know, because they they had a place. Yeah, they did. Place that they knew, yeah. They had a tribe that they it's were part of even yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, they understood their place. Maybe it wasn't the place that God wanted them to be, and I'm certainly not saying that, you know, Salem, Oregon was Egypt by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination. <laughs> but it's that, that, that idea of transition and moving. And there will be a season where, you know, everything is new and you're, you're learning and you're learning by failure and you're fitting in or you're not fitting in. Um, and, and that's just 
a hard place to be. And I remember one of my prayers was, you know, in the chaplaincy, you're only at a, at a place for two, maybe three years. And so my prayer was, Lord, accelerate the connection, basically optimize our time here, like make connections fast and help us to, you know, make a difference in that short amount of time. And sort of the crux of that is that there's no substitute for time. You have to walk that road. You have to live in that pain, place of pain until you don't anymore. That, And so I think that was the hardest part. Just, I remember calling my friend at work, just talking about needing to talk to somebody that was familiar and to hear about people and circumstances that are the same Mm -hmm. and waiting for the day where I would feel that here. Mm -hmm. That you feel known and that you know other people and you feel part of. Yeah. 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 It takes time. I was actually, okay, so I'll tell you the story. It's really funny. I was talking to Logan the other day because he was saying that he was having a hard time because his friends weren't playing with him on the playground. So Logan, my grandson, and uh, he didn't have, he couldn't find any friends in the playground. So he was very upset. And I, he said, my mom wants me to make new friends, said I, could, I should just make new friends. But it takes like three days. <laughs> three, <laughs> three days. days. It takes like three time. days to That's make a friend. Yes. I know. And <laughs> It, it's true. I mean, it takes time, right? I mean, for this three days, that'd be great. But for him, that was a really, really long time. Right. And yeah. for us too, it's like this really, really long time yes. that it takes to, you can't just do it right away and go out to a playground and make friends. Right. Well, and in this environment, you meet somebody and you go, oh, I think we could be friends. Oh, you're moving in three months. Okay. Oh, <laughs> so it just is. A, it's, it's, yeah, I hear that. It's hard. So Keith, I want to hear a little bit about the identity stuff for you. Did you have, you said something about that you went from being in charge. Right. I'm the, I am a person in charge to I'm a person who's not in charge. Right. Was, were there any other identity issues? Yeah. And, well, and with that is I, I am a person who is competent to now all of a sudden I am a person who you know, the, the Navy is its own culture, its own world, right? With its own unwritten rules and rules and instructions and all this stuff. And, and you come in not knowing any of that. And so all of a sudden you are incompetent, you know, in this whole arena that you then have to be as quick a study as possible. Yeah. And, uh, and so, but I like, you know, I, I like jumping in and figuring some things out. And, uh, you know, as long as you're willing to be vulnerable, there's a, you know, Brene, right? Uh, Yeah. And uh, I I think that's where you become something new. You you are gaining the capacity uh, to then be a blessing in new ways. Um, But, uh, but there's, yeah, there's just a lot to learn. And well, we talked a little bit about the hardest thing of the tra- transition. I want to know about the most fun thing about the transition. Um, I would say we just, we have a lot of time to spend as a family. 
And so that's been super fun. This environment here is very conducive to family time. The girls ride their bikes to school. They walk to the Jet Mart. Uh, you know, you can walk um, to get anywhere you need to go on this space. And so I think that has created a rhythm for our family that we've not previously known. So that's been really fun. And then exploring the area and um, just just seeing what, what the Lord has in all of this. I would say, you know, for... For others that may be out there that might be considering a big change, you know, there are incredible blessings, you know, if you're, if you can find the courage uh, to, to enter into a new season, to do new things as Gwenny, as, as, as you're doing yourself and as we're doing, there are new opportunities that the old reality could not provide. And so our old reality was blessed in so many ways, but it was also very stressful. And uh, we just had no time margin at all. And, uh, and so as Michelle was saying, this, this new reality in which we now find ourselves, it's just more family time in a new place for new explorations. And, uh, and so it's been like a life reset button for, for us. And yeah, and and I think that's what maybe for fear some people don't press the reset button, and I and I think reset buttons can be magical as long as it's not immoral. You know, <laughs> some people's reset button leads to all sorts of like chaos. Chaos, yeah. It's like what do you do it? But I I think uh, like good kinds of yeah, I, you know, bold moves can really you know it, it is. And as well as it's just fun for me in all sorts of other ways, you know, I got to get on, catch a backseat ride in a fighter jet, F-18, you know, just, and so uh, th- this new world has provided new opportunities that are just a lot of fun. Very grateful. So what is one lesson that you learned through this that you could not have learned any other way? Michelle, what do you think about that? I mean, you press the reset button, and if you had not have, what is the lesson you learned that you could never have learned if you didn't press that button? I guess I would say that, that there are more possibilities in life than I allowed myself to, to believe. You know, I think in seasons you think, uh, this is how it is. This is how it's always going to be, and, you know, I'll pray accordingly, But whatever reality, you know, I thought I could construct that that there's just so much more that the Lord will provide more and make you consider things you would never, never, ever consider. And if you make it through one transition and one giant leap of faith, then you are that much more prepared for the next one. And, and part of that is this transition gives your mind um, and your soul and your spirit a place of rest that maybe now you can think differently than, than you had previously. Well, thank you very much for sharing all of that. And I, I also want to thank you just personally for walking through my transition with me and getting to do that together. It was a big blessing to me. So thank you for doing that. Well, right, right back at you. You, um, 
the the Lord had us in the valley together. I know. Good thing we had we had each other <laughs> and and, and our coffees in the and coffee. <laughs> yes, yes. In my living room, going. Ah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, Wendy and the Bruton family, we we love you guys, and so proud of you and this adventure that you're on and beginning podcasts. Kind of fun, right? Uh, it's very it is, exciting. It's an honor to to be on, and our prayer is just that in some way this conversation will speak to somebody out there and encourage them in their own journey through life. I know it will. I know it will. I have three more questions I'm asking everybody who's on my podcast. So, Michelle, you get to start. A pivotal event that changed you. When I asked her to bury me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, well that, okay. that how could it a, help but change her? <laughs> right. That was a narcissistic answer in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was when I chose the Lord above all things that I was all in and that I would follow him uh, regardless of maybe hopes or dreams or thoughts or whatever that I had uh, hoped to, to see come to fruition, but that I was all in where the Lord was concerned. And that changed the trajectory of my life. Thank you for sharing that. I have heard that story and I love that story. Every time I hear it, I, you know, cry. <laughs> um, Okay, second question is a person who changed you. Oh, I would say a person that had that changed me was uh, my good friend Kareen, that modeled, that just modeled um, the way of faith for me. She was pretty made a big impact on you. Yeah. Okay, and the last question is a book that changed you. I guess I would have to say, without being cliche at all, but uh, the Bible changed me. Specifically, I would say the book of Exodus and the book of John and the story of God and his redemption plan. Okay. That is a very big book that has changed big people throughout <laughs> history. Throughout the ages. And I yes. love that you said Exodus and John. So people should, if you don't know, and you've not read Exodus and John, go read them. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Okay. So because I'm on a mission, right, this, this year to get people to read more because I'm trying myself to read more. Yeah. Because really when I went to, this is the whole thing. I went to graduate school and then I like swore off reading because right. it was it just. It killed it for you. <laughs> it, yeah. I just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. So this year I'm on a mission to read some more. So um, I'm asking people about books that change them. So thank you for sharing that. All right, Keith, a pivotal event that changed you. Like Michelle, I, it's, it's got to be a spiritual encounter moment that happened 30 years ago. And at a retreat in Western Pennsylvania, where, uh, where I decided to stop playing church, playing games with, with God, where I very clearly sensed, you know, kind of similar to what Michelle was saying, uh, are, are you in or out, Keith? Or it's time for a decision, right? It, it was... Uh, 
you know, uh, the prophet Elijah on Mount Carmel, you know, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? Right. If God is God, then serve him. It's going to be the, the gods of culture and, and Baal, then serve them. Just make a decision. And, and at that retreat, I made a choice to make, not just allow Jesus to be the savior of my sins, but to be the Lord of my life, to rule and reign, that I will follow you whenever, wherever, or how long is ever, wherever this is going to lead. And, and I'm all in. And, and I've just not looked back uh, since that day, some 30 years ago. Definitely the pivotal event that changed my life. Yeah. Spiritual encounters like that change the trajectory of your life. Your entire life. Uh, I'll, I'll refrain from going into a okay, sermon. Well, <laughs> we can, and that's another day. Um, okay. It's another so, podcast. Another podcast. Okay. A person who changed you. You know, there, there, the, the, I thought about that question and here's where I landed. I think it's my enemies. Uh, my, my enemies have changed me in more positive ways <laughs> that I would care to admit. <laughs> oh, well, not then, my friend, but uh, uh, I think because your, your enemies expose some of the darkness in you that then needs to, that then needs to be addressed. Uh, but your enemies also cause you to reflect on what you believe about God. Do, do I believe that my life is in their hands? And that I'm now, you know, somehow uh, in trouble because of choices they've made or what they're, or, or do I, at the end of the day, believe that my life is in God's hands? And, and thanks to my enemies, I have learned that if God is for you, who can be against you? And, and so I do, I look back and, and I thank God for some of my enemies because God has used them in very, very profound ways in, in my story. Okay. I love that answer. That's, that is a very thoughtful answer. Well, thanks, Andy. And a book, a book that changed you. Uh, I'm just going to throw two in real quick. Okay, well, well yeah. you, know, you go for the, it. The second one was because in light of what you just said, the, the first one that I'll just mention, it was that it was a book 30 years ago in conjunction with that retreat. Uh, some of your listeners might have heard the name of Keith Green before, who's a contemporary music guy that his plane went down and, uh, and, and he lost his life. But, but the, the life story, the biography of Keith Green's called No Compromise. And so I read that book at the same time, I was going to that retreat at the same time, my life was one big compromise. And I read about the story of this guy who just decided he was all done, you know, wavering between two opinions. And, uh, and so that as a young man was very, very influential. That book changed me as well as a book that I probably recommend other than the scriptures. My, my wife wins that award. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I recommend the book Quo Vadis as often as I can. It is a historical novel of the, the early church in Rome. And so it's a novel. It's, a, it's got gladiators. It's got a love story. It's got all that stuff. But it lights a fire in me every time I read it. It's a great, it's, it's a classic. It's been made into a movie. It's, you know, it's probably a century old, but I 
love that book because of the faith that it rekindles at times when I feel like my own faith, you know, the fire is just starting to go out. And I love that book. I'm going to get that, put that on my Amazon wish list, and I'm going to put it in the, the link in the show notes so that people can look for that. Quo Vadis, Q-U-O-B-A-D-I-S. It means where are you going, right? According to tradition, it was Peter, the early church said to Peter, you need to get out of Rome. We need you alive. Go save yourself. As he's leaving Rome, he sees this figure walking toward him. And who is it? But it's Jesus that says, Quo Vadis, where, where, or he says, Jesus, where, where are you going? And, and Jesus responds to Peter, I'm going to be with the, the people that you're abandoning. Oh. my flock. And so that's when Peter then turns around. He goes back to Rome. And according to tradition, he was then crucified mm-hmm. upside down. Right. And, and so <laughs> Michelle thinks I have a strange taste in stories that I love, but, <laughs> but that's, uh, no, I would I just, recommend I that know. book. I would recommend it's a good, that. it's a good book. Okay. Well, thank you both so much. And I miss you more than you will ever know and uh can't wait to see you yeah i'm gonna come we're yes. gonna come can't we're gonna to come visit you, you. Uh, yeah and then and then in san diego like oh, disneyland yeah. just starts right there yeah, right? yeah we'll, we'll be in disneyland don't you worry yeah. we'll be there yeah. okay okay well thank you very much i can't tell you what a blessing it was for me to get to interview these two precious people in my life i'm really glad you got to listen in you know, I think the f- my favorite thing that Keith said was the reminder that life just comes as a surprise sometimes. We are very rarely where we thought life would take us. We're just somewhere else. Sometimes that's good and sometimes it's hard, but it's usually a surprise. <laughs> and I guess how you handle those surprises, how you make sense of them and grow with them and change with them. This is what's going to define you. This is what's going to make your life make sense and have value and and quality. And, and it creates a new vision. I also love the whole idea of not letting fear be the boss of me. Isn't that hard sometimes? I mean, fear is often the loudest voice and makes not only our minds, but our bodies shut down at times. I'm not sure I'm ready to tackle Half Dome, but I am working on seeing where my fear is in my life and taking steps to act out of faith rather than fear. How about you? Oh, and one of my favorite things that Michelle said, this is the quote, there are more possibilities in life than I allow myself to believe. You think this is how it is, how it's going to be, but whatever reality I thought I could construct There is just so much more. I loved that. The idea that we think small sometimes, not even knowing that we're thinking small. We only know what we know, right? But the truth is that we don't have to think small. There are big things to be accomplished, great things to do. We don't have to be stuck in the small things in life. I wonder, where do you need to think bigger? Dream bigger, risk braver. Where do you need to trust that there are so many more possibilities out there that you need to allow yourself to imagine? 
Maybe it's in business or finance or relationships or parenting or faith. Michelle said, whatever reality I thought I could construct, there is just so much more. So go dream big, push the reset button and take a risk. Don't let fear be the boss of you. I'm so glad you joined us. Make sure to subscribe so you can get all the episodes and you can help support our podcast by clicking the support button in the show notes or going to our website, essentiallybetterlife.com. Follow me on social at Essentially Better Life and check out my website for all kinds of information on business and personal coaching, my book, and even some great stuff on essential oils. Thanks for listening. Blessings and be well, my friends. Thank you.